0: Well, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. If this is your first time listening, thanks for coming. The 805 Conversations podcast is produced every other week. Please subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming shows. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and continued encouragement. And thanks to my podcasting partner and co-host Patrick from Pull String Press for this great studio. Good morning, Patrick. Ah, Good morning, Mike. I am uh, pleased to introduce you to This is Clever. Now, so our listener knows that we record in the basement of the Balboa Building in downtown Santa Barbara. Beautiful Building building and, and that's how you say it on your show <laughs>
1: yeah
0: uh, and several floors above us is a uh, an, uh, technology company and I have with us Max Drucker who's the CEO of Carpe Data that is um, uh, just upstairs you walk down and you're enjoying your coffee with us Max good morning
2: good morning Mark how are you I'm terrific great Tell, tell our listener what Carpe Data does. Uh, Carpe Data is an emerging and alternative data company uh, specifically for the insurance industry. Spe- oh, specifically for the insurance industry? Yeah, we work with only insurance carriers. Our customers are uh, companies like Allstate, um, Travelers, um, and other major insurance carriers.
0: So. Um, I'm going to go back a second, because the show is listened to by entrepreneurs and people starting up, trying to figure out who their customer is. And a lot of times they'll say, "Like, who's your customer?" Well, it's everybody, right? <laughs> or my my avatar is, uh, you know, uh, people between 30 and 40, and in all these industries.
2: And you're real clear. I'm I'm real clear that I have about 300 potential, three four hundred potential customers. Period. In the world. In the world. And why insurance companies um well for 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 a lot of reasons but for for what we do um being a data provider uh insurance companies really at at some level are the original data scientists they they are the original people behind predictive analytics right they've been predicting when you're going to die for hundreds of years and it's just really about um predicting outcomes and so for me it's a fascinating world and and obviously uh today where technology is it's very much about machine learning and 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 predictive data and um really pushing the envelope on um again predicting what's what's going to happen in the future and so insurance companies have always wanted to do this whether they're predicting whether you're going to get into a car accident or whether your house is going to burn down or or whether a business is going to have a loss um so for for me um it's this tremendous market of, of, uh, it's about as data hungry as there can be. So, uh, for us, we have, uh, a, a, a wide variety of, of products for whether it's, um, predicting whether, uh, a restaurant is going to have a loss. And, and we look at all kinds of different alternative data points, the, the online presence of that business, the reputation, uh, the customer reviews, um, we're also able to determine potential areas around risk. Um, for a given establishment, again using using new data sources that insurance carriers haven't looked at before. Wait, so and then you're giving
1: that information over to the insurance your client. Um,
2: yes, that, that that's right. And so when a, a restaurant goes for insurance, traditionally, um, the the insurance company will underwrite that business, and, and they look at a lot of different. You're the vetter, and that, that that's part of what we do is we provide data to enable mm-hmm. them to to um, accurately um, price the risk because so they know. Yeah. Um, what's on the application and what's what 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 what's relevant about the establishment, and and we mine um, web data, social data, stuff um, that they wouldn't otherwise
1: have access, to, well, or would be just too laborious for them to like go hunt down all that. Yeah, information. That's, exa-
2: that's exactly right. Yeah,
1: they couldn't do that for each individual, you know, potential new client for. a uh, uh, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna repeat back yeah, to you what I was gonna say. say you're you're, you're, you're doing my pitch for me. But just but, so, just, uh, but uh, uh, you know when, somebody, when you're when you're trying to figure out a business that you've not worked with before, how where would you even start to right. say okay I need to insure insure you and it's like huh, ah, I uh, I don't know anything about the mattress industry or the you know and,
2: and there are I mean literally thousands of different permutations uh, of how insurance carriers categorize. They call them classes. How they categorize given businesses, and yeah, there's a, there's all kinds of crazy perils that you've never thought about. Insurance companies come to us and say, "Can you tell us if this funeral parlor does live cremations?" Yeah, right. thing I mean, that's I mean, a real thing. This the specificity they want to know. You know, do they wash windows of, of, of a
1: certain feet? So you've got 300 uh, clients that you're targeting. But but the, the subject matter that you're investigating is 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 in, literally literally all endless. the other businesses. Yes. You're an, analyzing other. everything else. Yeah, that's, so, that's exactly okay, so
0: right. let me see if I pull this around. So in one sense you have one customer, in the other sense they there are endless customers.
2: Endless permutations of types of businesses and customers, that's right.
0: But you only go through you go through the one. That's fascinating. When when
2: did you find you were interested in data personally you so uh so i actually began my career i'm um, out of college working for apple uh, and really yeah so um i i started working at apple just before when steve jobs came back oh. and so i was actually Those scully there days uh well in the gil emilia days oh got it and i was actually there when apple bought next oh so it, it was is a that was a 96 and so it's a it was a, it, it was a a lot of transformation but so so my background is from the tech side um and and, and uh, that was in the great dot-com 1.0 era and um, I was recruited to be a part of the um, the first online insurance startup and that was called e-coverage and so I was on the founding team of e-coverage which sold the first uh, um, auto insurance policy online and um, and that company uh, was backed by ETrade and some current uh, SoftBank or um, other other investors, because they really wanted to, they, you know, bring insurance to the internet as so many other businesses were coming to the internet. And I was absolutely um, fascinated. It was a really amazing challenge. Obviously, today, so you know, we don't even think about getting an insurance quote online or, or buying policies right. online. It's sure. just you know standard operating procedure. But obviously, then it didn't exist at, at all. Um, and so. Um, e-coverage blew up in, in brilliant glory as so many other dot-coms <laughs> did in that era. I um, mean, left a big crater in the ground. Um, but but out of that, I, um, myself and my partner started um, an insurance software company called Steel Card so we could basically provide web software to insurance companies. And so I started that company in 2001. Um, and uh, we worked with AAA and uh, other major insurance carriers. Wait, but
1: 2001? And- it was that was. I mean, there's there's this moment where you look at it and you go, "That's right." We everybody was still bleeding from the bubble burst. And and your idea was let's get back in, let's just go right back into the into the fight.
2: Well, but it, but but yes, that's right. With big with big insurance customers as your customers, right? Yeah, yeah. I knew that's what I yeah. I like that kind of customer. Yeah. Right. You yeah. know, there are a few, but they're big, and you know, there's a lot of stability yeah. with that kind of carrier, and it doesn't take very many. And for us, it really only took a few. But was right. that
1: part of the strategy, looking and saying like we we need stability. We need we can't be looking for cowboys to hire. We don't want to be hired by loose guns, we want to be hired by somebody who is old money.
2: No, I wasn't that smart. (laughs) (laughs) Well, 20 years later, yeah, Yeah, I'm sure. I wasn't that smart. I was just... Hey, they seemed like they would be good customers. So, yeah, sure. and I don't. And I've spent the last several years building software for insurance companies you know, to sell insurance. So let's try and do that, and actually have that be the customer instead of selling actual insurance, what we were selling to consumers. So mm. we were, you know, selling auto. insurance. So
1: you were, you were saying, I need less
2: customers. Less customers. That's less right. Customers. <laughs> One customer is good, right? You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, yeah. So, no, there was not a lot of thought and strategy. Let's go no from into it. net fishing to fly fishing. I, ju- I just yeah. did that. You follow the money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, and I think it was being an insurance company. I don't know if that's really what I want to do and if yeah. that's the greatest idea. And obviously, it's really capital intensive and it's really, really hard. Yeah. But making software for that purpose uh. was actually something that we really, I really liked doing. And um, so that was how I got into that in 2001. Um, so um, that business was... Uh, very successful, and I sold it to um, a company called ChoicePoint, which is now owned by LexisNexis. So ChoicePoint, at the time, was the big insurance data provider, um, a four billion dollar market cap, and um, and that data that they sell to insurance carriers um, still to t- t- to this minute, um, any auto insurance policy that's sold is base- is, is um, requires data. That um, Lexus Nexus, owning the choice ChoicePoint entity, um, provides. Hmm. And so, um, yeah, when you buy an auto insurance policy today, they look at the accident history um, of that vehicle. Uh, they get that 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 data from Lexus. They look at um, the motor vehicle report, which they can get from Lexus or they can get some other companies. And they'll also look at several other data points.
1: Do you keep track of your old children of of, of the of the ones that you that you you know that, that go away from you? Do you like? Do you kind of like keep a heads up on them so you know at any given moment like
2: are they still going are they still a thing oh I, I mean I, absolutely <laughs> and, and, and and now it's really, for me it's really come full circle because I've come right back into the right. insurance you know industry similar customers but absolutely we're um, uh, it. For as big a market as insurance technology really is, right? There's you know a relatively finite number of players, and again, there just aren't that many customers yeah. um, ultimately to go after. So it's the same people at the trade shows and seeing the, how the companies <laughs> and, have done. and they
0: all talk. And it's what's nice about a small world. Mine was uh, computer animation software companies, a small world of people, right? Uh, which now is is you know there's thousands of people who need that. <laughs> I'm curious around. Uh, Credit scores, so we all, our listener knows what a credit score is, right? You're credit worthy and someone's going to give you money. Is there such a thing, or not, uh, or is there such a thing, or is it known as, like, I'm thinking, is that a risk score? And I don't know what that is called, but huh. it just hit me that there's, there's probably a number attached to me someplace that I don't know about.
2: There are a number of numbers that are attached <laughs> to you that you don't know about. And that are derived so so actually credit is used very heavily by the insurance industry um and so uh uh, regulation is state by state and actually in california they do not allow the use of credit for insurance Hmm. um but they do allow but but almost every other state does and so in almost every other state um every single auto insurance policy that's sold um has a credit component to it because it's very predictive of of loss of outcomes
0: Hmm. so does that though roll up into i'm thinking of a risk score that someone an insurance company knows about me which takes into account all of these other data points we were talking about that
2: that that, that's right and so um the major credit bureaus but also companies like lexus and um uh they have their each one has different variants of various insurance risk scores and they you know they, they 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 correlate decently but they have Um, some attributes over here some attributes over there to get predict your outcome whether it's a home loss auto loss Um, some insurance carriers when they insure small businesses they'll look at the credit or have a risk score assigned to um, the sole proprietors for small business as well
0: I want to go back to the word predictive analytics Um, one of the things that is really interesting to me about where technology is going is this predicting what I'm going to do next um, we, we see it in shopping a lot, right? right. I, here's what other people bought, or this is, you know, it's like, how did they know I wanted that thing, right? That there's a lot of smart people working on that problem. Um, does your, so, okay, so how do I frame the question? That this predictive analytics can, the th- ways that you've thought about going out to all these different data sources and compiling them to answer a specific question. Could that, I know you're not doing that, but could that be applied to other larger problems like, you know, consumer retail?
2: I mean, I, I think most certainly. I mean, the, the place you need to start is is understanding what the what the outcomes are. And so uh, if you ask how, how we approach, how do we know about the online presence, how, if it's going to, you know, what it means of a given business? We know because we've worked in insurance carriers and we've worked with loss histories. And so we know that businesses that, you know, for example, businesses that have very strong reviews and are very popular are less likely to have losses than businesses that are unpopular and have poor reviews. Um, I mean, that's a very, very broad, and that it will vary by industry and segment. And there's a lot of uh, caveats to that, but just in broad strokes, that that, that, that we know that based on uh, past history. So understanding what you want, what, what the data set you're working from, you know, as you know, called training set. Um, you know what those outcomes are, what that history is, and then you can use any kind of data point, but it does take a certain amount of creativity as well, looking at, oh, uh, you know, does the number of LinkedIn connections a person has, does that, predict what they're going to buy or if they're more likely to buy something or if they're likely to get into a car accident or you're if saying they're likely to, your yeah.
1: creativity comes in the in the moments where you have to figure out what questions what to, to ask. look at and what to yeah. try yeah
2: and so much of our business so much of you know any business of uh, companies that are trying to build models and and predict outcomes as we, we talk so much about machine learning and letting the, the the models figure it all out but you need to come up with what what what, what data Um, inputs am I am I pulling from I need to source those and and so for us we're constantly looking at you know what what are new sources what are interesting things that 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 we can find something that 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 could be a value because there's a ton of red herrings out there
1: I would imagine and a ton of things that 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 seem like valid data points but aren't they're just not important to that actual industry
2: yeah I mean you know we we certainly see that that yeah all day long and so like you might ask a question uh, how well a business maintains their online presence? Do they tweet? Do, mm-hmm. they, do they claim their Yelp page? Do they um, have a, a web page? What are these things they're doing? Well, for some industries, that's really important. That's really important. For other industries, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And so that's a eh data point. But for if you're a restaurant and you're not online, you're not promoting yourself, well, that may be kind of a proxy for how well you run that business overall. A whole lot
1: of other decisions that you're making when it comes to staff hiring, to purveyors that you're buying from, and even loans that you might be taking.
0: That's exactly right. So I'm gonna guess that everything changed 11, 12 years ago with the advent of the iPhone, and it being probably the biggest sensor or data collection device uh, that has ever happened. And, that provides so much information, specifically I'm thinking New York Times last week, a huge uh, article around geolocation, geo geo mm-hmm. geodata, and how they're using that in real time to affect you and how that's kind of a big black box to us as yep. civilians. Where does geodata play into what you guys do?
2: Well, one thing for us, and, and this is just sort of... Uh, Kind of part of our, our charter and sort of our, our mission statement is we really avoid um, consumer data um, for the most part um, around uh, anything that in the insurance buckets of what we call pricing and underwriting. We don't really target use cases around those because there, there are so many potential issues that come in with opting in, regulatory challenges, privacy issues. Sure. Um, data can be a moving target. So for us, we, we, we we don't focus on those we, we focus more on businesses is is where um because businesses are meant to be online right and there's so much valuable information on that and it's a kind of a win-win for both sides so I, I think that there's a lot of tricky things that can go into using things like mobile phone data that and i'm familiar with the article um where the data is supposed to be anonymized but it really isn't right mm-hmm. um and, and 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 in in our in, in, our, in our journey, we've, we've encountered some of these companies, and, and so they can maybe um, – uh, some of the things that the mobile phone data can do is tell you about uh, socioeconomic status. So say in a place like California – so the data can be used as kind of a proxy. So in a place like California where you, you can't use credit, right, it's not legal, well, what if you were using this data because you know that this person – um, uh, went here and then they shopped at the dollar store, so maybe you can make an assumption about um, their socioeconomic status, and so therefore maybe you can see if that, if that that that's a proxy or correlates to credit. So that's an area that, for from us, we avoid. But I think these are areas that um, are you know very tricky, um, and uh, I think that this is an area that in the insurance industry regula- regulators focus you know, very very heavily on uh, about those consumer protections and making sure that. Um, if they've uh, mandated a certain rule that that we're not using other alternative data forms to certainly, you know, get around it.
1: Yeah, are there ethics in data collection like you're using or, or, or data evaluation like you're doing?
2: Um... I think that there are ethics in it. I, I think that for an industry like insurance, that's just so heavily regulated, there's not a ton of room for a lot of real monkey business. Right. right? Whereas right. in so many other businesses, like, you know, the you were giving examples of, you know, knowing when to purchase and, and, and sort of this kind of marketing cases, there's not really a regulatory body. There's – I mean, there's, there's – um, Sales are sales. And- yeah, and, and so that's why I think that there's, there's nobody that's looking out that whereas in the insurance industry you have the department of insurance in a state-by-state and everything an insurance company does is is really very regulated and um, so
1: or do you guys have to know the like is everybody are all the insurance companies this is used to be a thing where like everybody was in Connecticut and so do you have to adhere to each of those individual state-by-state state as you give them information?
2: I mean, insur- insurance companies need to uh, say, so like for an auto insurance policy, for example, they have 50 different policies right, and they're yeah. all different and the rules are different and the pricing is different and what data you can use is different. Right. It, 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 it's, it's very, very different. And I mean, from an insurance company perspective, I mean, th- th- this is, um, it's, a, it's a huge amount of uh, burden.
1: Do you, th- do you see a, a way that, and I know this isn't maybe necessarily your field, but like, is there a fix for that? Is there like are we are we as a as a country are we under the burden of that are we making the mistake of like like not being as efficient or as like is our insurance more expensive because of that because of those 50 I, I think huh.
2: probably most insurance companies would say absolutely yes yeah, yeah. I think the I think the all, the argument would be the state knows yeah. its population better so the state should regulate that and so they would say that it's protecting the people and so insurance is more fair I, I am not an expert on this topic sure, sure. Um, and I don't have a position an opinion on I mean certain certainly from where I sit it'd be ah. easy if there is one federal regulator and that like like in uh, various other industries but um, I actually, uh, I, don't, I don't really have a position on that, but yeah, certainly to the insurance companies, I mean, the, it's a humongous amount of effort and the, the cost and I mean, so much work goes into understanding the state-by-state regulations.
0: So with your deep experience of working with these insurance companies and knowing our listener is, you know, 85% chance that they're a small business. Um, and they're all over the world, by the way. We're in 42 countries. The show gets listened to. Um, what advice would you give to uh, the business owner when they're thinking about, I mean, they're going to go, they all, we all have business insurance. We've got all kinds of different insurances. What are the things that are going to optimize, what, what can they do to optimize their chances for lower rates, if you will? Mm. Or, or uh, it's a different way, M- mitigating risk, a lower risk business
1: yeah things that you're 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 asking like what do we see, what do you see every time like every time you see this that's you're a, like that's i know
2: that's side. not gonna work well i mean i think the, the best advice is really to uh, to shop it to shop insurance because it the the variance in price across different insurance carriers is is wild really yeah because some carriers like certain things and other carriers like other things and they don't tell you what those things necessarily are <laughs> and i uh, i mean uh, i'm not uh it's a whole different uh, conversation to talk about the, the state of technology um for a lot of these insurance carriers i mean because it's really a lot of legacy technology um and often it's it's the broker that knows the Hartford likes to write this kind of stuff chubb likes to write this kind of stuff and for you know this is the appropriate carrier for here it's not as simple as we go in and they punch in a number and then 10 carriers come back and say this is what the rate is and then you can pick over here um so I, I think, yeah, the best advice is just really to shop it and go to multiple different sources. Um, there, there's online aggregators, uh, companies like CoverHound that represent some insurance carriers. Um, there's the independent brokers um, that, that know necessarily where to go. But I think it, 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 it's surprising how much variance there is for these different types of insurance.
0: I'm sure that uh, one of the sponsors of our show is listening right now and has a point of view on this. Uh, uh, Greg, uh, the CEO at Tolman & Weicker, uh, down in Ventura, you know, we've had th- those folks in here talking about, we we talk about insurance a lot. I think it's something businesses get wrapped up in the technology the thing they're doing, they're not thinking about how am I protecting
1: Well, to myself. be able to move forward, I mean, it's like, I, I think every time we ever try to do any kind of endeavor or something, the, the question is almost inevitably from whoever we're negotiating with, talking with, they're like, well, what's what, what kind of insurance do you have over this project, or what yeah. kind of insurance are you, like, I mean, it's, it's, my sister was an insurance agent for years, and it's, that's that feel of, like, oh, insurance is always part of the conversation uh, everywhere you go, and that idea that, I mean, I, the, the fact that your company is looking at, at, I don't know, providing them with the tools to make a better decision, you know, on us. Is, and, is and, and, a, and
2: essentially to automate that, and so which yeah, really right. important part of our, our what we call our, our data commandments or, or our guiding principles. Data
1: commandments. Uh,
2: that's data, thank you. Da, I da, love that. Da, 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 data commandments. You didn't think "carpe data" was
1: maybe the tip to the fact that he <laughs> likes to to use uh, well-branded, good idea. You know? I, I would guess you go into that office every single thing has a. <laughs> As a double, uh, a double meaning, double yes. entendre, yeah, uh, reference, a pun.
2: So, so one of our data commandments is that everything we do uh, drives a, an automated process. Mm. So, what we're trying to do is enable that carrier to uh, not have to look at things manually. Ah. So much of business is, is done manually, and so you're it, saving them money. Yeah, right. If the, if this if this carrier is trying to, you know, um, if, if they have a, a rule around a uh, nail salons that have tanning machines. That's an example of something that they care. Is that about. a thing? Yeah. There are.
1: That sounds yeah. sketchy as hell, man. I gotta <laughs> say, that, there, that there are <laughs> there are thousands of things. Yeah, okay. yeah.
2: I mean, the, the, in the industry, the really the classic things are a deep fryer is a risk is a risk for sure, restaurants, right? Sure. Except they all have them. They, they all have them. Well, but the thing is, if you're a sandwich shop and you're trying to get insurance to the sandwich shop, your price should be for a sandwich shop, not for a shop with a deep fryer. Ah, so okay. we can do things though, like we can look at the menu. And automate that. And if they have chicken fingers, well, they probably have a deep fryer, right? And so even if if they incorrectly submitted the application or the broker didn't do that or however that stuff is, uh, you're able to determine that information. But instead of the underwriter having to go online, look at the sandwich shop's website, think about this and that, right, we're providing them an automated path to ensure to to make it more efficient. And obviously, more efficient means – ultimately they can sell more, they can lower prices better for everybody. Talking about machine learning for yeah. a minute,
1: how how does the machine, because so you know chicken fingers equals deep fryer. And how does the machine learn that as well? Like, I I, I mean, this is a rudimentary AI, you know, bumble. Sure. So, okay. So,
2: so, so, the, the way you, you would do that is, um, again, keep it, you know, really simple. You take a um, hundred restaurants with menus that have deep fryers right. and a hundred restaurants that don't. Oh, okay. and then the correlation, and then and then it figures it out and spits out and says, you know, these words are common on the uh, restaurants with deep fryers, and these are the words that are a uh, common ones that don't. And then you could you pick you, that, that you that say way. these five, these ten are are good hits. These are bad hits. And 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 and, and with every model, or at least certainly in my experience, so so many models, you need to look at them too and and make sure that it makes sense because right. sometimes a, a model or something that you come up with is like, well that. That was kind of just random or lucky or whatever that stuff is. But probably, if you were to go through that, you'd find things like French fries, and you'd find things like you know, uh, or they're concerned about grilling. You know, the word you know, grilled beef or something like that. Sure, a smoker. So, 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 it, so it figures that stuff out. Huh. So, but, but it really, and and certainly from our perspective, it is a combination of looking at it, figuring stuff out what logically makes sense, and what the model tells you based on the the data set, the training sets that you've given it.
0: So there are there are false positives everywhere
2: in this right there are false positives there are false positives everywhere um and and, and really from we are we're, we're almost it, we're looking to identify the exceptions right the, sure the the carrier assumes that the application that they were given is correct and has the right information on it you're looking for the outlier we're, we're looking for this maybe this is a mistake right and so you know it turns out that maybe that they um uh, due to, you know, the landscapers doing tree trimming, uh, you know, as another example. It means they're going to be off the ground. Right. And no. so that's, a, that, that's, a, that's something. And so that means that they just need to make sure that they've given them the appropriate insurance. And, and really so much of this for insurance carriers is they just want to make sure that the person has the right amount of insurance as well. Right, because so,
1: they could make a better sale if they're more accurately insuring them. You know,
2: And what, and what they really don't want to do either is... Um, have that person have a, an accident? They don't have the coverage for it. The insurance company doesn't pay for it. And They've got to save, right? Sorry the the insurance company wants to pay. Yeah. They just want to make sure that they price the risk right appropriately, and that's very much the way. And in, in, in certainly my experience, I'm working with insurance carriers over the course of my career. They really, really all have a feeling. You know, it's very much about um, they want to pay claims. It's just about having um, it be rated and priced appropriately.
0: I'm imagining, so I'm going to shift to the software side of it because I like the technology part Mm -hmm. of Uh all of this. Uh Um, It feels like the last, I'm just going into the fourth year of an AI project, but it feels like the last two years have gotten, AI has gotten more public. I mean, people are thinking about it more. This week's, this month's Wired Magazine is less artificial, more intelligence, right? (laughs) And... What is the role of AI in what you're doing versus the role of human-assisted AI?
2: Uh, there's a lot of AI in, 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 in what we do, and really, all insurance carriers are, are, are exploring different forms of AI. I mean, I guess I guess the first place to start is is uh, the definition of, of, of AI, and um, and really, you know, some people think about it just like you know, automated, cheap decision making, you know, <laughs> as, a, as a way of th- th- thinking about sure. Um, what that is, but I think that traditionally, when people are talking about AI, you're talking about some form of mas- machine learning, in which you've taken some data set and then you're, you know, trying to predict some outcome that's based on, on, on what that, on what that, that is. So insurance companies would love the idea to use AI, in in, in air quotes, <laughs> right, to be able to um, provide a, a, a price f- or underwrite a business um, better than they do today. Right, today they use a lot of linear regression models, and that's what actuarial science is based on linear regression models for the most part. Um, they look at a loss history, and they look at given data points. And so um, there's a lot of different newer or more modern approaches that, and most insurance carriers are looking at those today. And so, and they would call using AI to price risks differently to um, do that. For, for us, we use by that by that definition say so let me give you an example of a of a risk element so one of the areas that carry, insurance carriers um are concerned about are swimming pools and so swimming pools next to an apartment building so that's a, a question that they ask when you're writing insurance for an apartment building obviously there's more risk it should be priced accordingly or they, they may determine we don't write apartment buildings with swimming pools That's just a policy that they have so we take um a multidisciplinary approach so we take um we might find that answer four different ways we may uh, go to an alternative data set like yelp and yelp may tell us there's an apart there's a swimming pool next to this apartment building um we might take an unstructured data approach we might look at the web page and this is all automated we might look at the web page of this apartment building and it might say pool hours are from 8 a.m to 10 p.m or whatever that might be Um, but then we might apply a machine learning model in which we've built this from, these are a bunch of apartment buildings that have pools, and these are a bunch of apartments that don't have pools. And so um, we can say with confidence, this apartment building has an 84% chance that there's a pool there because apartment buildings like this generally have apartment, even though we didn't have something specific that said that there was a pool there.
1: You don't have a, you can't point at the evidence, here it is, but you can say, we have 84% likelihood.
2: if in, for, for 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 that specific, yeah. uh, you know, model. or And then a, a fourth approach is, and also you can call it AI, you know, very broadly is using a computer vision model. And we're able to look at an image that might come from the apartment building's website or it might come from Google Images or it can come from a satellite photo. And we can look at that image um, and say we have a 92% chance uh, that there's a swimming pool in this image and that this pool's there. And so ideally... We'd like to be able to provide to the insurance carrier all four of those data points. These four uh, data elements say that there's a pool here. You can have confidence there's a pool here. Yeah. Um, but you're really just trying to get to that. And that's a, it's across you know a, a very wide range of kind of things. So some things, uh, images don't make any sense. But obviously things like a pool or a playground or do they, have, do they have washer dryers
1: in the units? That could be a higher risk
2: of something and. So we would like to
1: know that, but that's not going to be on Google Maps. That's so. That, that, so,
2: so that, but, but, but we, we we know apartment buildings that uh, all these other apartments that were very similar to this and had the same number of floors and had same average rents and things like right, that. Right. They they do have washer dryers. So this one probably has washer dryers too. You can make this, you know, that a model can do that. Also, you can see maybe because if you didn't find maybe you couldn't find their website in an automated way, or maybe they don't have a website that t- says about that. But you have these other attributes. So you're you're trying to you know get at it again why I call it multidisciplinary right you're trying to get it in multiple different ways and I think that when we talk about AI and we talk about where technology is going it, it just being a computer vision shop isn't enough just being an AI shops not enough you need to have all of these approaches because there's lots of different problems you're trying to solve
0: is that the I'm, I'm just thinking now your guy who's doing you probably have already all of the insurance companies as customers, but let's say you didn't, and there was one you were going in, it, is that a competitive advantage for Carpet Data, that you have this multidisciplinary approach? Because I'm- Yeah, I'm, I, a, I think so, absolutely. I am I'm imagining, uh, this may or may not, this probably doesn't exist, but if I were to walk into a room in your shop upstairs, and if there was a wall of that had visualization of all the data sources, you probably couldn't fit them on one wall, is that fair?
2: That's fair, there are, there are many, many, many data sources, and we also do piggyback on uh, the major search engines like Google um, to help us find where to go, because we, we don't have a data set, a database of every apartment building website out there, but we can you know, get that data from Google, and that's all part of the automated process.
0: So, speaking of Google, um, uh, New Yorker uh, just recently had a story, of Binary Stars, about the, the pair programming that they do at Google and the two guys who are the ones who manage the search algorithms and, and all of that. It's pretty, uh, what I like about the New Yorker is they take a really dense topic like that and make it so humans can read it and understand it and get what's going on. Oh, journalism.
1: On. Yes, thank you, That's, professor. I'm sorry. Some people call it journalism. Yes. That. Yes. Um yeah. and
0: and it was it's a very very interesting read. I'm curious um and and their point one of the points there was the quickness of the response. Like they needed to be able to serve up that data to you. It's called with lat- zero latency. latency. Yeah. yeah was zero, zero latency. Right. What what is what's the latency challenge for you guys?
2: Well, <laughs> it's 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 really a great question um, for (laughs) us because you're balancing two things so part of what we want to do is provide real-time data which is really important and which is unique because almost any data set that's out there um, if it comes back um, you know in a second or less than that it's hard to you know it doesn't necessarily reflect that minute right it it happened from some time before that to make that a bit you know make it online basically Um, and so for for us we want to see what is the latest version of this restaurant or this business or this contractor or whatever these things are. What What is what is the profile of this business this second? But obviously, um, if you're pulling in, I mean, for us, potentially millions of different data sources, but for any given establishment, hundreds of different data sources and you're pulling down, you um, you know, hundreds of megabytes, gigabytes of data in real time, and analyzing that to produce a result—it's very difficult to do that in one second or less. Oh yeah, I know, right? Um, so we really have uh, two approaches for, the, for for approaches that require real time. We are um, provide that from uh, a static data set that that, that we're uh, constantly um, refreshing. Um, and for batch use cases, in which because sometimes the way insurance carriers work is they uh, they have um, they run in a nightly batch, and so then they have a, a – because the, something's already happened, and so then there's a, another step along the way. And then, then, then we have more time, so then we can run uh, – transactions can take, you know, a minute or two minutes long um, because you're doing a lot uh, on the fly. So it's a really the, – the latency um, question and response times are humongous because even if you're doing anything direct and anything online, it's got to be, you know, a, a second or less.
0: Well, the, the Google has set the, the bar so high. I mean right the, the expectation now because uh, we all have these you know $1,000 computers in our pockets, uh, <laughs> we expect them to to work instantly. and if they don't we're, we have such a national case of ADD that we're just we don't uh, 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 where, where is the answer for that? And so I'm guessing uh, uh, an insurance company, uh, with a client, a broker, or I'm not even sure where your data gets touched in that sense. But a broker sitting there with a client across it's the table—it's
2: got to be real time.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. It's
2: got, it's got to be second, sub-second to be able to populate values and to be able to provide quotes and rates and however that stuff is. Because
1: that's your client is in competition with all your other clients. That's, yep, that, 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 that's true as that's well. That's the and other to, thing to make right. the sale. And so if they're if they're waiting on you, and the other guy isn't waiting on you, then all of a sudden, they've lost their sale, and then you're not relevant anymore.
2: And, and it really creates interesting challenges, right, mm-hmm. by having to, okay, we're going to refresh a data set, um, so you're basically pre-collecting data um, to, to build a data set so you can be there, so you can provide ready. it you know, yeah. instantaneously, right, or, or going out. And and, and and again, for us, having two different approaches, depending on how much time we have and exactly what you're trying to get to.
1: Are um, you better we, with... our? Like like if it's an industry that you've already vetted or you've already kind of gone through it before, are, is that going to be a? Are they going to get a better strike on that or a better hit on that when they're when they're looking? So like re, like if it's a known industry is what I'm saying versus like a very obscure industry. Uh, yeah,
2: for, I mean for, from from us, yes. Um, I mean we we, we start. Um, our our first real core industries that we've uh, built out have been restaurants, right. and retail, uh, contractors, and the most call likely it, things to be insured. Yeah, yeah you want to get as much as you can, but even just within those segments, there's you know so much variance. There's a, lots of different kinds of restaurants. There's lots of different kinds of contractors. Yeah. There's uh, lots of different kinds of retail establishments, and so you have many subcategories um, within that. But um, over time. Um, and this is what my team's doing, and we're building out more and more and more industries. And, and then I think, I mean, ultimately it becomes a real competitive advantage because yeah. it's not, there's no magic to it. There's no, okay, snap your fingers or here's some data set and you're going to train some model and now you can use AI and voila, everything's perfect. That's huh. not it's not, it's not how the world works. You, 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 you need to figure out, okay, these are the these are the kinds of problems we're trying to solve for uh, um Window washers—these are trying to problems we're trying to solve for. I mean, again, the specificity is it's crazy. H- how much granularity that insurance care, and you understand why because the risks are different.
1: Well, but that's going back to that that level of creativity with saying like you have to understand risk. You have to understand like how things catch on fire. You have to understand like what what would a problem, you know? And so it's like it, are, I wonder if like you're constantly like like whenever you see a news article or something like that, oh. That, that could happen. Yeah,
2: it, it really, it really, I mean, we think about, I also think about data sources where you might find some kinds of data that you yeah. wouldn't necessarily think would th- be attached to information that an
1: insurance company would need. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I want to go to
0: the, back to the very beginning when you, inform, you let us know, I did, had no idea, that insurance companies were on the leading edge of predictive analytics and data science, if you will. As you, I think you said, uh, hundreds of years. For
2: hundreds of years. Right? So, tables, so hence they are going to
0: have legacy problems, absolutely, because they were f- the first ones to get to the computers, the first <laughs> ones to do that. And those are all still, you know, uh, plugged in someplace, right? So, if the, I'm going to guess they're still on the leading edge of technology and looking to solve problems faster, what's the next 10 years look like for them? Like what are they, what's their CTO and, and chief information officer? What are they thinking about now?
2: So the the conversation that um, the the major auto insurers are having right is of uh, oh. uh, massive disruption because self-driving cars. People talk a lot about yep. self-driving cars. Self-driving cars mean safer cars, and fewer ask accidents means. Less, less need for insurance. Less need for insurance. Less to insure. Uh, That's the opposite way I thought I w- that was going to go. Same here. Yeah, and I'm yeah. sure
0: our listeners going, damn, yeah. didn't know he's going to go
2: there. And so, um, all all of the auto insurance industry is expecting um, pretty significant dis- disruption within the next ten years. Huh. And so, I mean, we're talking about, I mean, today, personal auto insurance is, I mean, I think it's roughly around two hundred billion dollars. Um, of written premium. Imagine that just getting slashed. It's 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 uh, that's what they're anticipating it's mm-hmm. going to happen, and also then the trends too becomes very interesting, between you buying insurance for your car versus your car caused the accident. So now is it more of a commercial insurance policy, and is it product <sighs> liability? There oh. there are some really oh, really weird. interesting things that are going on in the industry as they think about, um, that again safer cars. That's how I refer to it this di- problem in the di- industry. It right. didn't even right. occur
1: to me that that my <laughs> argument for my insurance going down to my insurance company would be like, I now have a backup camera. I have lane keeping assist. Yeah, I have blah blah blah. I have blah. You know, like like my car, the car I'm driving around in, is infinitely safer than it was last year. So my
2: rates should go down. My rates should go right. down.
1: Why you're not? It's not going to cost you as much to insure me because I am safer right.
2: on the road. And in insurance companies, you know, historically, you know, they make their money on how much premium they write, and right. and and the, and, the, and the investment income from the premium. So if 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 the risk goes down, the premiums go down. That's a big problem. Yeah. It's a, it's, a. <laughs> it's the
1: firefighters put themselves out of business by you know like getting getting the the community to stop using plastic well, trash cans it, but, or
2: whatever. But in and you talk about disruption from um, self driving cars. You know people talk a lot about oh, all the the three and a half million truck drivers. What are they going to do? Okay. What about the body shops? What uh, about um, the hospitals, right? How much business is created in the medical industry around car accidents? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, the, 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 Just you, the first think, responders you have to think about all are, this yeah. stuff, don't you? Uh, yeah. I mean, for me, actually, I, 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 I'm, I'm, to me, I'm fascinated by. Um,
1: the guardrail companies are going to go out of business. The, no, seriously, right?
2: It's it, it, what, wow. what will happen when we move to having safer cars? And so. We take that problem away. It's a humongous problem.
1: Well, wouldn't. Well, it's a problem for for the insurance company. Wouldn't isn't there a well a problem mo- for a lot of industries? Sure, right. but isn't there a model inside of um, already built? At uh, I'm thinking of of a European, uh, you know, metropolitan area where nobody has a car, and so you could look at it and say, okay, what are the, what are the costs and and rates around? You know, what if all of the adults don't need your insurance anymore? What's that look like? Uh, okay. that,
2: that's the other side of it. Is that is that. Uh, um, Uber and, and Lyft yeah. right, have also had a massive disruptive impact.
1: People don't need cars anymore. They
2: don't need to buy cars. They don't need to have cars. Yeah. And so not having cars means less to insure. <laughs> so um, this is what they talk about the industry, and so so to segue back to <laughs> the nightmare wh- where we d- where where we are. The reason why we focus so much on small commercial insurance is this is something that isn't going away. Business right. is right. here right. to stay. You'll always need to insure businesses because anything can happen in a business. Uh, uh, robots and AI aren't going to you know. Was, I feel like
1: Tolman Weikert actually said to us something like, uh, you'll always need insurance if people are involved. Yeah,
2: th- like, I, think, like... I think that's a fair Something can always slip and fall. Something yeah. can always catch on fire. Yeah. Right? Um, you know, bad things can happen in, be, in, in given areas. And so I like to think of what we do as um, by enabling, back to the data commandment, about enabling automation. We're giving them a way of, of being able to uh, more efficiently, effectively, more easily insure uh, small businesses.
0: Max, thank you so much. This has been uh, eye-opening on several levels. Um, and, and what I like about this show is we learned, we learned stuff we had no idea of, and hopefully our listener appreciates the insurance bit a little bit more, the big data bit a little bit more. You gave us a really interesting and specific example in the answer to the machine learning question uh, which I think we hear a lot, but I don't think civilians know what that means. I have a data set of yes and a data set of no, and I match those and I can predict. And you know, computers help us. Thank you so much for that. Um, at the end of the show, what we like to do is um, give you the ability to um, give a title to this conversation. So the reason we do that is because someone has listened to the show from some other person, they came in and they're like, "Gosh, that was really good. What else is there? And so they're scrolling through the titles, so they're looking for something interesting. Titles matter. But you get first dibs on naming it. Uh,
2: future of Data for Insurance.
1: Okay. Do it.
0: There you go. Max Drucker, thank you so much. Uh, thank you. It was super fun. We appreciate it. had a it. great time. It was really fun. I also want to thank California Lutheran University School of Management and Greg over at Tolman & Weicker Insurance Services. Greg, this show is for you. And our podcasting partner, Pull Press, Um, If people are interested in doing a podcast, I mean,
1: people are talking about it. They've been waiting. They've been sitting there thinking, you know, if only I knew where I could go and somebody else could make me sound great and record it and then push it up to the Internet and then find me an audience. If only I could find a place to do that. Well, my friend, I'm telling you now, (laughs) this is that place. Uh, Contact us at Polstering Press and we will uh, put together an opportunity for you. Uh, We can do everything from just give you that one opportunity to come in, sit down and feel what it feels like to be on a podcast all the way through building you out an entire series episodes uh, with a whole plan and a vision for what you can take uh, your message and put it out to the world permanently.
0: We have been having fun with that. There's so many interesting stories to tell and people prefer to consume those stories through their headphones rather than watching video or, or reading which takes a lot of time. Uh, I, I would love to hear from you if you have questions or an idea for a guest for an upcoming show or you wanna do a show. Drop us a line, mark at 805connect.com. Thank you so much. And until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805
1: Conversations.